Hey, Zach. Hey, Steven. We're back again. Yeah, I'm I'm back. I got um the the robots. They oh, yeah. took pity on us. They saw that we didn't get like anywhere near the amount of Patreon support that <laughs> they thought that we would. Um, and took pity on us and returned me back to uh, back to my dorm. It's quite considerate. Yeah. All right. So is your hidden treasure this week uh, pitiful robots? No. <laughs> no, I, I feel like those those are a universal thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not really of a campus. Like, Madison probably has pitiful robots too. I don't know mm-hmm. if um like Boston Dynamics, those robots might not be pitiful, but I think most places have at least one uh, strain of pitiful robots. <laughs> uh <laughs> No, so the only, uh, uh, is there a way to segue this from robots? Shuttles can't do (laughs) backflips. You're right. They can't. That would be pretty crazy if they did. (laughs) I bet you could set set up a, no. Like a loop? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, Yeah. just accelerate the shuttle as much as it'll go. A train maybe, but a bus is too much inertia, I think. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not quite a bus. So uh, my hidden treasure is the UW-Milwaukee shuttles, uh, which are just little, like, extra long vans, basically. They're not quite a bus length um, that transport people from, like, the north campus to south campus. Okay. So there's really only two clusters of UW-Milwaukee stuff, and shuttles just go in between them pretty regularly. Um and it's nice because I don't, I'm assuming that Madison doesn't have that kind of thing just because everything's so spread out already. They just assume you're going to use your bike for whatever. Actually, we have um, the 80 bus and it that bus is free for anyone to use and it just goes hmm. in a circle around all the buildings on campus. Do you get a bus pass for being a student there? Yes, we do. Okay. But you don't actually need a bus pass to get on the 80, but we can get on any other city bus as well. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to get around, especially when it's cold. Yeah, definitely. I I spend most of my time on just the north campus chunk, and anything else I do, I just take a normal bus for. But mm-hmm. it's nice to have that shuttle that just goes straight from one chunk of campus to the other. For sure. Yeah, I wish there were more eighty like buses that I could go like straight to a building and not have to wait. But that is not That's really how public transportation. Steven. Yeah. <laughs> My hidden treasure this week is the Union South Marquee, and the Marquee is a completely free movie theater inside of Union South. Uh, they oh boy. usually play movies on the weekends. Uh, about once a week, they'll put on like a really big name movie. Uh, like this week, they played an early release of the new Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a midterm at exactly that time, so I didn't get to go, but... Uh, <laughs> They also play, like, indie movies and some old movies that people may not have paid money to see, but since it's free, like, why not? It's a good movie. Yeah. Is that free for anybody or for students? For anybody. Yep. You can just waltz right in. Oh, cool. Yeah. uh, The people who put it on, uh, it's called Wood Film, uh, W-U-D, and it stands for uh, Wisconsin Union Directorate. And they have, like, wood music, and but this one is Wood Film. Mm -hmm. And they get the money to put on the shows by... Uh, a portion of the concessions of the union okay yeah so there's a coffee shop there's pizza and there's you know 
all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. but because they bring in so much traffic, that's how they get their money is through a small portion of yeah. And, yeah, and all the money, it's a student organization, so there's no, it's non-profit, all the money goes back into putting on more movies. Oh, cool. That's that's really neat. We have one that's, I'll, like, I don't know if it's for-profit, I think they do get a lot of money from the union, but non-students still have to pay to enter. Mm. And they sell popcorn and stuff in there, I think, to make up cost and stuff. Right. Can you hear that? Yes, I can definitely hear that. Dang. <laughs> it's Sandberg is designed so poorly. It's it's literally just designed to create a wind vortex on the inside of it. I do not understand that. Why? Is there any reason? Well, not like... like it's not designed for the purpose, but it's designed such that it creates a... Oh, okay. Because originally there were only the three towers, so I don't think it was quite as vortexy. but then they added East Tower in 2005, and now... Wind will just get trapped in the middle of the four. Oh, okay. I see what's happening. That's too bad because I, I can imagine like a nice relaxing thunderstorm turns into a, a. I'm thinking like when you're trying to sleep, I really like thunderstorms because they're like yeah yeah they're it's rain and it's nice and it's constant, but like every once in a while you get a big gust of wind and that would wake me right up. I but I sleep through thunderstorms pretty well yeah makes sense yeah it's it's cool though because even though i'm up on the 17th floor i still get leaves flying past my window because they get (laughs) spun up the vortex that is pretty cool actually i actually don't get very many leaves even on the second floor huh there's a balcony right under my my window okay yeah and it um it stops most of the debris yeah yeah Speaking of trees, uh, they make paper sometimes. They they do make paper out of trees. You're right. Um, and one really fancy kind of paper is the uh, Field Notes Notebook. It's this little pocket notebook. I feel like we've probably talked about it on here before. Uh, probably, at um, least briefly. Yeah, it's just designed to fit well in pockets. And it's nice yeah. paper, so if you're writing with a nicer pen, it feels good to write on. For sure. And it is pretty robust as well. It's um, it's not going to, like, fall apart if you keep it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So I think you have a um, – they come out with quarterly editions that are just new kinds of field notes. They've had, like, flip book ones for mm-hmm. – that look like a private investigator pad. Or they had one that had a ruler built into it. Um, just a lot of – different styles to kind of play with their usual format of lined paper stable together right yeah they're trying to make it less boring yeah do you have one of the special quarterly editions or do you just have a lined paper stable together i have a quarterly edition um i got it in a three pack and i don't know where the other two went but this is once (laughs) i fill them up i kind of lose track of them but Mm -hmm. uh, i carry this one around it is they partner with Nixon, which uh, the camera company, so they put some really good photos on the cover. But on the inside, it's still mostly lined paper. Uh, yeah, the the three pack I got was one lined, one graph, and one blank. Okay, but standard paper for sure. Mm-hmm. So I've also got I got um the black ice edition, and I've been carrying that around and writing ideas for the vlogs in those. But 
uh, I'm getting to the end of those. So I'm keeping an eye now on the upcoming quarterly editions that they've got going. And I saw the most recent one and it piqued my interest and I wanted to know what you thought of it. So it's the resolution. Um, it's linked in the show notes. Uh, yeah, Do I you... saw this actually. I was listening yeah. to um, the Pen Addict. The Pen Addict. And they were talking about it. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. It looks like a to-do list kind of style where it mm-hmm. has lines, but also a, a uh, segmented checkbox. It's called the screw head because it looks like a flathead screw. Yeah, so you can like fill in the whole circle or half the circle or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not a huge fan of the red and blue cover, mm-hmm. but the red and white and the red and or the blue and white look fine. Um, yeah. Oh, it also has a calendar apparently. Yeah. So what you get is um, two of those little checklist ones, and then one. Oh wait, no. Yeah, and then one date book. And then it also comes with a little calendar insert. That's kind of neat. Uh, I don't think I have much use for it, just because that's not how I use them. But mm-hmm. I just use them for taking, not notes, but for writing down ideas and writing down things I want to re- remember. Yeah. Um, that I don't want to like pull up my phone for or something. Yeah. Can you think of like a, a place you would be, some conditions you would be in that you would use this written out to-do list and calendar stuff um maybe like if i didn't have access to my laptop and phone for a while Mm -hmm. or maybe just my laptop because i don't particularly like using my phone as a to-do list but my laptop if i didn't have access to my laptop i would definitely try to use this instead yeah yeah it looks nice it looks like it has pretty good paper Mm -hmm. uh they show someone writing with pencil on it and it's showing up pretty well yeah. I don't really know what else to say. It's a notebook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was thinking there might be something interesting to dive into with um, you using someone else's tools. Like, clearly, the people who made this feel like they will use the screw-headed mechanism mm-hmm. of something is either half done or all the way done, I guess. Uh, or, yeah. or I was thinking it could be like a... Um... If you're doing it bullet journal style, where you have a page for each day, you would write, the way I would do it would be to write down everything I want to do today, and then mm-hmm. fill, in the, fill in completely the stuff I did, and fill in half the stuff, fill in half of the circle for stuff that I won't be transferring over to the next day. Doesn't necessarily mean I got it done, though. Just just missed a deadline, or... Yeah, or it is no longer relevant. Yeah. But there's all sorts of okay. ways you could use that. Yeah. So it's called the resolution. It's just the name of the edition. Right. And clearly that's thinking going forward, being more organized in 2018. Right. Uh, So maybe it's too early, but have you been thinking about resolutions or do you even do resolutions in a yearly thing? Um, yeah, I do. I can't say I've stuck to them very well, but I have definitely tried to make resolutions before. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a something interesting to talk about, and maybe we dive into this a little bit more into December. But um, yeah, maybe we just start thinking like what our goals are for this year, not so much our resolutions, not something necessarily that we want to change, but something that like CGP Grey had his year of less is what I'm thinking. Themes, yeah, themes, yeah, yeah. That's something to think about, and I suppose maybe some homework for the listeners as well. Yeah, listeners, write will... in and let us know. Yeah, what are your some potential themes? Yeah. Maybe we should 
explain what we mean by a theme because I yeah. don't know what we mean by a theme. I know I do know, but I can't put it into words. So the the creator that we're talking about basing this off of is CGP Grey, and he has gone through a couple of years. Um, I think last year was his year of less parentheses me. So themes as a whole, yearly themes are just generally, I suppose, directions that you want to take your life. That feels yeah. too um, hippie productivity. <laughs> uh, this is hard to explain. Uh, listeners, I hope yeah. you just get it because we are at a loss. I, I think a yearly theme is really very similar to a resolution, but it's not a single thing you're going to do it's a focus for the year it's a much more amorphous concept that you're just pointing towards um which is easier to say you've accomplished then as opposed to a yearly resolution being losing 10 pounds or i don't know i never really set resolutions yeah yeah so that's a really good way to put it uh i think if mine's gonna be anything it'll probably be around something about the hobbies i want to do because mm-hmm. I have a lot of ideas and I get excited about them and I'm and I continue to be excited about them like I'm getting even past the hump of like oh yeah this is really great and then you wait a week and then it doesn't seem so great anymore like I'm getting yeah. past that hump with these ideas it's just I when it comes when it comes to my free time I don't think about those things I think about whatever uh the marquee or mm-hmm. uh stranger things season two yeah yeah I've, I've been battling with that one of my sweet mates plays overwatch quite a bit and when he's playing it it looks very enticing but also he's good at overwatch uh, it's a mm-hmm. team shooter first person shooter game um but every time there's a free weekend i feel like oh man it'd be so fun to play some overwatch and then i remember that i a don't have time and B, I'm not good at aiming things in video games. <laughs> but every time that little, some some voice goes off in my head that says it'd be really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly listeners, now that we've sort of explained how themes work, um, write in on Twitter or in the comments on iTunes or whatever. And let us know if you are thinking about any themes for the upcoming year. Or if you have any recommendations for us. That too. And now, for a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. This episode, the PSA is brought to you by a blackboard in the physics building. The PSA for this episode is A squared minus B squared equals A plus B times A minus B. However, this does not mean that A squared plus B squared equals A plus B times A minus B. This has been a public service announcement from the Worrying Bugs, brought to you by a blackboard in the physics building. Thank you. Okay, so why is this a problem, Zach? I'm not sure it is. I think it was just like a pre-calc class doing algebra, mostly. Okay. One of those things like how people um, cancel out um, sums as opposed to multiples. Mm Mm-hmm which is also something you're not allowed to do, but uh, just, just a no. fun fun algebra tip. All right. I can see like a, a TA getting frustrated with their students continuously yeah. doing this. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Speaking of explaining the fundamentals, I recently learned about Ethereum. And by learned about Ethereum, Ethereum I mean 
listen to a talk about Ethereum and still have no clue what Ethereum even is. Okay, great. Can you can you give me like a basic rundown even? Uh, I can parrot what the guy said. Um, so I went to the Milwaukee Code Camp, which is okay. just uh, an event that they had on campus that a couple people came and did talks at, um, showed off cool stuff, talked about Ethereum or REST APIs or whatever. So this talk was on ERC-20 tokens, which are tokens in the Ethereum blockchain that you can run code with, I think. Okay. It's a global computation machine, and it was the APIs on how to make it work, maybe? Okay. Uh, So they had things like checking hashes and uh, uh, generating new blocks to mine. Um, These were not zero-proof hashes. He wanted to make sure that we knew that. These were zero-proof. What's the Zcash thing? Uh... Shoot, I forgot. Hold on. It's literally right here. Uh, it might... It's zero knowledge proofs. Zero knowledge proofs. Okay. These were not zero knowledge proofs, which I do explain... Which I do understand better now. Um, his explanation was basically, if you're in a room, uh, you can, like, go to the other room, and then to go through the other door, you need to have a key. So there's, you're in one room, there are two doors that lead to another opposite room. You see someone leave the room you're in through one door and then go through the door that needs a key back into the room you're in. You know that they right. have a key for that door. But you don't actually need to see the key. Correct. And that, that was how yep. zero-knowledge proofs were explained to me. The really hard part is when you have to do it non-interactively, which is what Zcash is. Okay. Where you have to do that same proof, except you're not allowed to interact with um, the other party other than the piece of information that they give you all right yeah that sounds hard yeah okay keep going uh so uh ethereum had something about initial coin offerings which are like initial public offerings but for e-currency uh i i really don't okay. know i'm i'm gonna stop you for a second okay uh ethereum is a currency then maybe it's also okay. a gl- global computation machine or something Awesome. Hold on. I'm just going to Wikipedia it. Okay. Um, so so this guy was definitely knowledgeable in what he was talking about. He just also didn't, like, there was some fundamental brick. And if somebody gives me that brick, I will be able to rebuild all of the stuff that he was talking about on top of that brick. But I was missing that brick, so I did not have the foundation to understand any word he was saying. Besides blockchain, I understood that one. Sometimes. <laughs> While Steven's looking that up, I also want to um, get excited about the Google HoloLens. Or not, God, no, no, no. <laughs> the Microsoft HoloLens. I was also, I also went to a talk on the Google Home, so the, the notes were very close to each other. Got the, got the companies mixed up. The Microsoft HoloLens uh, is a computer made by Microsoft. It's an augmented reality system, which means that, or mixed reality might be the term that he used, um, which just means that mm. you still see the real world, but you also see this digital overlay um, and that really hasn't been doable until very recently when we could, like, do ray tracing of real-world objects to figure out where light sources are, um, get the right amount of cameras in a small space to figure out depth and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and overall, just it's it's a, it's a new thing. It's up and coming. Um, and it's going to be cool when it happens. I didn't get to put it on my face because the battery died, but it, it would have been really cool if I could have. <laughs> 
Okay, so what I'm getting is, it's like, it's not really like Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, and Ethereum is a thing that allows you to make a cryptocurrency, a custom one. Okay. So, basically, like, you know how, like, stupid iPhone games, like Clash of Clans, have, Mm -hmm. like, gold and stuff like that? Yeah. It's that, except gold is real money. So it can be exchanged back gold out. Gold is, yeah, gold is Bitcoin-esque, at least. But but there's also something about being able to do computations with Ethereum, somehow. Yes, there is definitely a way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Solidity, maybe? What's that? It's a language for smart contracts. Yeah, okay. I definitely remember the phrase smart contract. And apparently it's not too hard to program with smart contracts, program in, program on. Yeah, this is quite confusing if I do say so myself. I'll I'll try and look it up, but... (sighs) Okay, well, okay, so here's another, like, an application they set as an example. Um, If you wrote your own cryptocurrency, you could make the system so that the democracy that you are the fictional democracy that you're in has to vote to send you the money or something like that okay i don't really know i do let's just put this on hold because we definitely don't understand it enough to be talking about it on a podcast there's also the phrases uh proof of work and proof oh god what's the other there are two different proofs that you can do and Bitcoin is always going to be proof of work, but Ethereum is only going to be proof of work for a little bit of time, and then it's going to switch over to another one. Proof okay. of uh, having it. Proof of... God, there's a word for this. Ownership. Proof of ownership. Okay. So yeah, that's more like Zcash, where while it's still on blockchain, it's hidden from the public, mm-hmm. it sounds like. So you can prove that you own the thing without having to give the information to the person you're telling yeah that you that you own it anyway it's uh it's it's uh an interesting concept and <laughs> we'll see if it goes anywhere and another tip if you go to a conference and they're talking about a thing make sure that you like look at the level of how familiar with that thing you're supposed to be before you go into it <laughs> Because I don't think anyone at that conference was familiar with an, with Phil, oh god familiar enough with blockchain to actually. That's uh, if no one is familiar enough, that's the presenter's fault. Yeah, but if only you are not familiar enough, then that's your fault. No, there were many confused stares. Yeah, and he also I went over imagine. it in like twenty minutes and then gave sixty minutes for questions. Oh, good. <laughs> I bet there were, were a few. Just a few, yeah. A couple of people were asking him about how to invest in Bitcoin, and he was like, I'm not a financial expert. Please don't. Yeah, I'm literally not allowed to give you advice like this. So, Zach, while you were there, did you take any notes? I did not, because I was already in lecture halls, and it would have felt too much like class on a Saturday if I had taken notes. All right. But if you had... Yeah. Would you have taken notes the exact same way that you do for your classes? They would have been so much more sparse. Okay. Uh, I, I bring that up because I had an idea when I was thinking about note-taking, mm-hmm. which is the goal of the note-taking system is not to make taking notes easier, actually. That should be part of it, but it's not the most important part. 
the goal should be to make referencing and looking back at your notes easier. Yeah. You use your notes differently for each class, though. At least I do. Uh, I don't, but I'm going to let you go off on your okay. tirade first, and then I'll come in with my comments. So for a regurgitation style class where you are just trying to memorize things for a test, you should make it, obviously, your notes as easy as possible to memorize. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only the figures and events, but the connections between them. And this will generally apply to social studies classes, history, um, that kind of thing. I haven't been in a regurgitation class in, I think, all of college. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I envy you. Uh, but Okay, because write... most of my gen eds I'm getting through honors, and that's, if you took regurgitation notes for honors, you would die. Yeah. They would come into your room in the honors LLC and kill you. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. For for that style of class, I think you should write down dates, key figures, events, and topics, and highlight them in some way, mm-hmm. and write down important things about them, and write the connections between them. No, that's a lot to write. Write down. You're basically writing everything that your lecturer is saying. Yeah. And if you can't take notes in that style fast enough, if you can't do the highlighting and you can't do the stuff like that, you can. Write as fast as you can and then go back through and highlight it later, Mm -hmm. which I've been trying that for a little while. I think it's working all right. Can you write and highlight and everything all at once? I cannot. I have to go back over it, Okay. which I should be doing anyway, which is actually why I'm... uh, It seems like at first, like I'm creating extra work as Mm -hmm. far as note taking, but I think because you're supposed to go over your notes again... Well, you're supposed to keep reading through your notes as the semester goes on. Yeah. It's not actually more work. It's just putting the work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, For STEM classes, uh, science, math, that kind of thing, you take notes in this type of class so that you can quickly look up formulas and methods while doing homework. Yeah. That's what I use it for, at least. Uh, And for tests, you might use your notes to practice problems or something. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you can, write down the formula and the method as a series of steps and make it as easy as possible to follow the instructions to get the answer. You should make it easy to memorize, and I that's very vague, but yeah. it will differ for each type of thing you're doing. But once you get that method down, then you can apply it to any problem, would be the idea. Yeah, and I, I kind of do that with my like physics notes, are much more mathematic. But I also would be concerned um, with that leading me to just dogmatically applying a thing. Because a lot of times with physics, they might change one variable up, and then you've actually got to do a similar process with different, a couple different steps. Um, And I think... And that could be something that you include in the, like, a side note for the test, for the notes, that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which could be, like... If it's like this, if you are making a flowchart style thing, yeah, then you would just make another box for your flowchart. Yeah. I tend to think it's better just to have more broad comprehension of the thing. Oh, for sure. If you can understand it, that's awesome. But if you, as far as taking notes goes, you, uh, I don't know, I think the broad comprehension comes from not really your notes. I, I don't know. So that, it, that's how it works for me, at least. So are the, you pretty, like, is that the end of your? Uh, basically, yeah. Okay. I do use my notes for comprehension. Okay. Um, a lot of times if I go to lecture, I will 
focus pretty diligently on looking at what the lecturer is doing much more than Mm -hmm. I will focus on writing stuff down, usually because the stuff they're talking about is stuff that's also in the book. So then I will go through and read the book and there there's the like a way you're supposed to take notes for reading comprehension which Mm -hmm. is like every paragraph you write down kind of a synopsis of that paragraph and then you still write down key facts and figures and that kind of thing but more you just stop every couple sentences and make sure that you are understanding how it's all fitting in and that's usually much more how i structure my notes especially when i'm reading is as that summary of a couple paragraphs or a single paragraph okay I think uh, I'm an auditory learner, uh, so I get almost all of my information from the lecture. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like to learn from reading. It's not uh, the best way to do it for me. Yeah. Obviously, if I have to look something up, I will. But if I can learn it from the lecture, I will. And I generally, as far as the concepts go, I can get it pretty well from the lecture, Mm -hmm. if not entirely. So, and it's just remembering the minutia that trips me up when I am, when I'm doing the work. Yeah, when you're... When I'm taking the test, when I'm doing the homework. And that's why I would structure my notes so that it is writing down the little stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just usually throw caution to the wind on the really little stuff, which is not recommended, but... So, yeah, uh, I, I perhaps this isn't for everyone, this little method of mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's something I'm going to exp- be experimenting with in the next couple weeks, at least. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely a good way to think about it, that different classes need different types of notes. Yeah, just not necessarily the way I'm doing it for you. Yeah. So when you're taking these notes, how, how do you do it? I think we were talking about um, bulleting in OneNote before, and you said that that was taking up, making up too much white space, or was that in notebooks? That was in notebooks, ah. but it was... It's not... It, it it does the same thing in one one note. It just doesn't matter all that much because it's just digital. Yeah. And I don't care about the white space as much. But for uh, a notebook, white space is bad because I feel like I'm wasting the notebook. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, when you are doing the digital notes. I just have to say this on the podcast, Zach, that I am done with OneNote. Because... Literally, as I was typing up my plan to gradually move away from OneNote, mm-hmm. it crashed. <laughs> it's, so, it could sense it. Yeah. I'm done with OneNote. <laughs> so I'm going to be using uh, Scrivener in an unconventional way. It's not really what it's made for. Is Scrivener... Uh, it's, it's for like... Uh, it, it's for writing. It's mm-hmm. it, it provides a way to keep all your research in one place and then write uh, a paper, a novel, a short story, okay, uh, yeah. a script, or whatever. And it has little templates and stuff for that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be using it in a little bit of a different way. Um, Basically having different files and stuff for each of the lectures and stuff. Um, And that way, if I need to study the material, I can... Scrivener has a feature where it lets you compile all that information into one PDF or uh, whatever you want to... Whatever format you want it to be in. And I don't have to flip between notes. I can just choose which notes I want to be looking at right now. Mm -hmm. Um... I can't access it from my phone, which was my main holdup from using it before, but I decided that I can use Apple Notes in my field notes to write day-to-day stuff down. Oh, you were using OneNote in your phone before? Yeah, I know. For what? Uh, you know, just stuff. (laughs) Stuff I wanted to remember, ideas, um, or... So would it be like the kind of stuff that I would usually put in Todoist? 
Yeah, grocery lists, that kind of stuff. My everything box. Mm-hmm. And I had a, like an everything notebook okay. in OneNote, yeah. so, and that's what I used it for. So I'm going to be transferring that into Apple Notes, and we'll see how it goes. Awesome. I wrote down my worrying bugs notes in Scrivener this week, so I'm looking at, excuse me, I'm looking at a, uh, a PDF right now mm-hmm. with all my stuff in it. And you have your research on the right as well? or uh scriveners i i didn't really do much research for yeah, this I, podcast yeah. um but if i wanted it to be in there i could stick it in cool yeah so i think it's gonna work out yeah i'm i'm glad for you i'm glad you can extricate yourself from one note i still need live uh live writing and like actually mm. decent handwriting recognition that kind of thing yeah and that's it's hard to get for sure yeah Scrivener has a massive learning curve. It's really hard to understand if you're not familiar with it, which I am still not very familiar with it. So it doesn't just work like a text editor? It, it does. And if you want to use it as Microsoft Word, you can. But if you want to really get its features out of it, mm-hmm. then you have to put in the extra work, at least at first. Um, people say that once you get the hang of it, it's incredibly natural. Like Dvorak. I guess, yeah. <laughs> But uh, even writing my notes for worrying bugs was so much less of a hassle, just for the simple fact that I could use Text Expander. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I have removed OneNote from my doc Good. and have put and replaced it with Notes and Scrivener. Awesome. In addition to OneNote, I am removing the Apple Mail app from my life entirely. You're going in reg editing the app off of your <laughs> mac not entirely but i jailbreaking your iphone yep just deleting everything i don't i don't think i even have to jailbreak it anymore i think you can just remove the email app well you can like remove it from the dock but it's still in there i suppose but re- regardless i <laughs> i am getting too much email to handle it well it it seems like email is coming in faster than i can clear it out and do the actions that those emails require sometimes mm-hmm. So I'm switching. I'm switching from the default Apple Mail apps to Inbox by Gmail apps, and uh, the only reason I was on Apple Mail before was because of my personal and campus email not working together all that well. Mm-hmm. But I've decided just to say screw it and set up email forwarding. Yep, and you can still like you still have the send from yeah that yeah. kind of thing. And if I if something's screwy with that, I can just log into my Outlook email, mm-hmm. on, like the online one. So everything the, the main the main difference is just that like cruft from different companies gets shuffled into a single thing that you can be done with. Yeah, I, I briefly glance through the promos one. Yeah, and if there's anything that shouldn't belong there or I'm interested in, I'll look at it, but. I can just press the green check mark at the top and it'll all go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also use Inbox by Gmail. It's just a lot better for handling that stuff that is like maybe you'd want to see it. Maybe you actually want to know what the Amazon deals are today. But most days you just want to be done with yeah, all of it. Exactly. Yeah. If you have extra time, totally go through your email. But yeah. I, that's not something I want to be doing right now. <laughs> I don't actually have my uh, school account set up for forwarding through inbox so you're going to the online version of one look uh not one look uh outlook 
Yes. And then I've also got uh, an app called Mailbird, which um, just has faster uh, key commands for stuff like you archive just with the letter E. Um, Mm. And it also has speed reading. So for extra long messages, you can just hit the speed read button and it'll do the one word at a time pop up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I haven't used it too much in a while, but it's come in handy when there is a big email that I got to go through. All right. How much of your email comes from, I mean, how often do you get Milwaukee emails? Um, let's see. I cleared it out probably yesterday or mostly clear. And we've got like four or five that I haven't read since yesterday. So okay, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, it sounds, that's about on par as far as I can tell with universities. Mondays, I think it's worse because a lot of different organizations and stuff send out all of their updates on Mondays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, UW uh, Madison feels it's okay to give my email, my student email to um, whoever the heck they want. That's why you set up spam filters. Yeah, I the inbox by Gmail is my spam filter at this point. It's yeah. just that doesn't seem important because it's not anything I signed up for the mailing list to. It's just mm-hmm. whatever UW signed my, my mailing list up for. There's probably a checkbox somewhere deep down inside your people soft yeah exactly only reachable if you chant the right incantations at midnight <laughs> oh oh a uh, quick quick note on people soft software uh so that's the the like registration stuff that most uh all schools in the uw system use um it's made by oracle it's not good no um so last monday was the official sign up day for honors college students okay. and they Set a set like the day and time at 8 a.m. on Monday. And at 8 a.m. on Monday, PeopleSoft just died. It gave up. Oh, no. So like three people I know from my floor were able to actually get in at 8 a.m. and sign up for their classes. Most people just could not log in. The ones who could log in, like it took a 10 minutes to get from one page to the next. Oh, my gosh. Um, all of the like new students who'd never had to go through that and like deal with the PeopleSoft stuff. Every single one of them sent an email to the head of the honors college. (laughs) Like, hey, this isn't working for me. How do I get into my classes? Uh, So they had to send out a big mass email like, please calm down. We will get your classes figured out. It's okay. It's ridiculous. You know, like it was scheduled even. Yeah. You knew this was going to happen. Yeah. You've been following all of the Hollywood stuff. You're clued into the movie world. Uh, I know that people are getting... I, I know that things are happening and it's awful. Um, or awesome, depending on how you look at it. It's awful that it happened. It's good that it's good. coming to light. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and and it also has expanded to the uh, world of politics with like Roy Moore. Yep. Um, and then most recently, Al Franken. Okay. Who was... He used to be a comedian. And then... Um, I think in the mid 2000s, he ran for a seat in the Senate and he still holds it. He's still a senator. Um, But he was like a pretty good person to push forward the Democratic Party. Um, Oh, yeah, I did hear a little bit about this because he wasn't like a career politician. He grew up mostly doing comedy and that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. more outspoken than you would expect a senator to be. Um, What aspect are you do you want to talk about? I think something about it felt more off to me than the other ones. Maybe. Um, it Like, it, it hit me harder. Like, I 
I wasn't surprised or like I was disgusted, but not when Louis C.K. or Harvey Weinstein or. Mm-hmm. I think the one that hit me the most was um, House of Cards, Baby Driver. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey did some weird stuff to retaliate. That was. Yeah, that was. I, I don't know. I I think I enjoy his art so much that it was upsetting that he turned out to be a jerk face. Mm-hmm. And I am censoring myself. Yeah, of course. I have very, I have much stronger feelings about it. But um, maybe we could get into like a more philosophical discussion here, Zach. Okay. Um. Yeah. Take but... take this away from whatever weird windy path I was on. <laughs> uh, do you think that it's right, or should we uh be able to separate the art from the artist? Okay. A valid question. Um. I don't know. I have in the past. I still listen to Alex Day songs. He was a YouTuber in like 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. um, and a musician. And then it came to light that he was also a jerk face. Uh, and I still did and still do listen to his music, but that's something that I, it definitely hits me every time I listen to a song by him that maybe I shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, and also, he still makes content, he still makes YouTube videos, and I think the part of it that's weirdest for me is that you, it feels like it's hard to tell if someone is a jerk face. For sure. Um, but, I mean, besides that, the, I mean, we, we know for sure, or not for sure, but beyond reasonable doubt that this happened. Yeah. So... With enough proof to make a conviction, is that grounds for the... I, I think of it, I guess, I think of it as uh, not using the research that the Nazis did in World War II. Okay. The, I, I, there was, I was also were, having a discussion that went on to this recently. It was just, like, they had some really, like, humanitarian-wise, really awful experiments. Yeah. But we got some really valuable information from it, from a scientific standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the And the question was, should we, should we use this research and not recreate the research, but just use the information that they got? Yeah. My answer was always yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, the, these atrocities happened in vain. I mean, it's a, it's a different dynamic for sure, but I, it's the same concept could be applied it's um we should listen to the music and we should watch kevin spacey movies because they are excellent they're still good art even if the artist is not yeah but do you think it's and i think it's different at least a little bit just because and i i acknowledge this um because we're not going to kevin spacey and what was it alex alex day alex day uh if they had not been a jerk face, they still would have made this art. Yeah. Which is different from the Nazi one, because if the atrocities had not been committed, we would not have this information. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get a little fuzzy about the whole yeah. situation. I think it's also different with um, Kevin Spacey movies and Alex Day in that Alex Day, if I listen to an Alex Day song, the person who gets the money, the like half a cent from me listening to it. Mm-hmm. is alex day yeah i suppose and if i watch if i watch baby driver there's there's a myriad of people 
who all were involved in that, and Kevin Spacey is only one of them. Yeah, and he gets... Generally, I think how it works is he gets a paycheck at the end. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get royalties on it. Yeah. But do you think that if a movie comes out in a year with Kevin Spacey in it, we ought not watch it? That's a good question. I think... Because then you're not only supporting Kevin Spacey, but people who Mm -hmm. say that what Kevin Spacey did was okay enough for him to still be in movies. Right. It's a really good question. I think that if... I think I'd be okay with watching another Kevin Spacey movie in the future if he had gone through the the, the criminal justice system, The he has been reprimanded for what he's done. Um, so it, it's... Uh, I don't think that Kevin Spacey... I, I don't think that Kevin Spacey should be put to death or anything. Mm-hmm. I think he should be reprimanded uh, sufficiently for what he's done. And if he can still make movies after that, and he's learned his lesson and he feels sorry for it, or, you know. And that's sort of what I was saying about it's hard to tell. How do you know that he is? Yeah. Because for the last 40, 50 years of Kevin Spacey's life, we hadn't known. Mm -hmm. So how do you know that this time he is sorry? Uh, I don't know. I guess that depends on your subjective opinion of kevin spacey's truth telling i guess (laughs) does that make sense i mean he is an actor yeah that's i mean that's makes it even harder yeah food for thought yeah uh listeners if you have any opinions on this please write in yeah this is definitely i i want to recognize that i am probably wrong on at least one aspect of this or oh definitely yeah we will i am disagreeing with myself as i'm saying this (laughs) uh (laughs) but it's not a problem solved by two guys sitting in their bedrooms talking into microphones no it's a yeah larger communal thing okay little tangent here okay because right now i don't think we're this is my bedroom really is home still is home still rosendale no absolutely not um but i think because my brain says my desk, which is where I'm sitting right now, mm-hmm. even though it is within elbow's reach of my bed, is not my bedroom. Ah, okay. I think as soon as my my body is not touching the bed, it is no longer my bedroom in this setting, at least. Mm-hmm. And it, w- it was different when I lived in a house rather than a dormitory. So you just don't have walls between your rooms? Yeah, that's Your office it is, now. is just when you are sitting at your desk. See, and I just do my work in my bedroom, in my head, but... You also, when you were growing up, you had your desk in your bedroom. Yeah. And that, yeah, I didn't, so that's, that might be something that Mm -hmm. makes us think about it differently. But, like, if you go, if you go to where the clothes are hanging up, are you now in the closet, or are you still in your bedroom? Oh, I'm definitely in the closet if I'm touching my clothes. (laughs) I've also segmented my life so that I did this on purpose so that when I get into bed, I don't do anything in my bed except for relax mm-hmm. and sleep so that I'm not tempted to so that when I try to sleep, I relax. When I yeah. enter the bed, I am relaxed. So do you and read like read for fun or read Baron in the Trees sitting at your wood desk in your wooden chair? Uh, I read Baron in the Trees at my wooden desk. But I read for fun in my bed because that is relaxing to me. 
if I'm taking notes on the book, then I'm doing it at my desk because it's work now. All right. See, so like, yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch TV in my bed. I'll read a book in my bed. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, that kind of stuff. But I want it, I wanted it to be so that if I'm doing work, I'm in my desk so that when I'm, so that in the future, when I'm sitting in my desk, I am only thinking about work and not something else. I don't know. So do you have a separate desk for playing video games? I have played exactly one video game since I've gotten to college. Yeah, that too. I'm not, I'm not much of a gamer. Okay, but and, you do things on your computer that aren't homework, right? Uh, I mean, recently, no. Okay. But uh, honestly, no. I've just, I'm thinking about it, and I don't really think I do much else besides work on my laptop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, even looking through my apps, I don't like have... And this is getting in this is full circling it back to uh the year the year's theme which is going to be something around my hobbies is that going to be are my hobbies going to be at my desk or in my bed mm-hmm. i or i think else? what i would want to do almost is have well, i'm also probably not going to be in a dorm much longer good point but i want to have like an armchair somewhere that i can sit at and read that's a good idea. That is, like, the peak goal right now is to have an armchair somewhere that is quiet <laughs> and sit and read. Because right now the nearest armchair is the entryway to East Tower, and that is mm-hmm. frequently trafficked. I think my nearest armchair is in the commons area of my floor, mm-hmm. which is, it's okay sometimes, but it can it has the potential to get very loud. Yeah. If you want to... Get in touch with us about how our ideas need some refinement or how uh, screw-headed bubble systems are the best uh, task management systems in the world or how um, I almost sounded like I was going to read the Pythagorean theorem for the PSA. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy. And I'm at not Stephen Barry. Uh, now we're going to move into our uh, book club. We're reading Baron in the Trees right up to the end and... Next book club will be Artemis by Andy Weir. Yes, I already have it on Audible. I'm getting it on Kindle probably tonight. I'm excited for I, it. Oh, yeah, but on Audible. I have it on Kindle, actually. Amazon gave away, like, two free Audible things to Prime members, and I figured that that would be a good one to get. I wrote in the agenda, Artemis is next, or I'm going to read it without you, because it's been sitting in my Kindle library for a while, and mm-hmm. I've been really excited to read it. Yeah. All right. So we will be reading to up to chapter 5, which is 31% of the book, and location 1463. Beginning of chapter 5? Yes, we'll be reading up to that. Okay. And now we're going to move into our discussion on Baron in the Trees by Italo Calvino. Oh boy. All right. It's this chapter. I remember it. Yep. My main note is bad relationship. Yes. Uh, mine was... This has the potential to be the start of an emotionally abusive relationship, and I'm afraid of how it will end. Not well, but, like, not terrible. Not the worst. It could yeah. have been a lot worse. Um, that was pretty much my only note for 22. It's just uh, Viola came back and started playing with uh, Cosmo's heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in chapter 23... That uh, continued. Yeah. And the note, the one I highlighted was, uh, it's Biagio saying... But they say that this fragrance is breathed by many nostrils, <laughs> which is his way of saying that she's cheating on him, mm-hmm. which is it's just a funny way to say it. Yeah. My only note no. for chapter 23 was 
Lafayette. <laughs> um, yeah, so. And at the end of this chapter, she leaves, and Cosmo becomes upset with himself, but okay with it, I think. Even though he really doesn't need to be upset with himself because she's manipulating him. Mm-hmm. Um, the other note I made was that this is the reason we have college seminars about emotional abuse. Yeah. So that tree men this... don't get screwed yeah, over. Exactly. Did you actually have like a mandatory seminar about? Uh, we got to choose. It was um, trying to remember the silly names they gave them. Um, one was about uh, we got the choice of three. One was about uh, safe sex. The other one was about emotional abuse, and the other one was about um, dating or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just how to not. Yeah, maybe that sounds like it was just a combination of the other two. Yeah, basically. That's what it sounded like. I went to the sex one. Yeah, we really only had the safe sex one and also like consent. Yeah, that was a big part of it. But I don't think we ever had like an emotional abuse training kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think most of my knowledge of it came from friends. Yeah. Did you have to do um, like a annoying flash based training series? It was actually not that annoying. It was actually really good. It was not flash-based either. It was HTML5 all the way. Ours was flash-based and annoying. So I... What? It, it was good because it was entertaining. It wasn't just the same thing you've been hearing for seven years. Mm-hmm. It was um, a, a narrator who just sounds like he cares. And yeah. uh, it, the interaction was like not just check boxes and stuff to make sure you're actually comprehending what you're mm-hmm. hearing. But it was, um, like, type in some things that you know about this. And then he'd say something okay. actually relating to the things that you said. Like, it seemed like... Yeah, that's really it, cool. Yeah, it was very well done, and I was very impressed. The only reason that uh, mine was bearable was, it was like Title IX training, I think, um, was you could get achievements if you did, oh. like, if you went through <laughs> and read the extra little bits of information. So I tried to get all the achievements, and that's how... They made it less miserable. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's all of my notes for chapter 23. Yeah. Uh, in chapter 24, um, some doctors prescribed enemas, some bloodletting, some mustard platters, and some fo- fomentation. Not exactly sure what that is. Uh, well, if I... T-I-O-N. There's a comma in there. Uh, fomentation. A poultice. Thanks. Bathe with medicated lotions. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, my note was, next time I get sick, I'm eating a mustard platter. <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah. Gotta keep your biles in check. <laughs> but this is the first time we've seen Cosmo get, uh, show signs of aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- n- it's not even aging so much as uh, being more susceptible to dying. Yeah. I want to know. How he got a printing press up in the tree. How's that work? I imagine that he took it up piece by piece and like, put it together. Uh, but on what? I can, I can understand, like, mattress maybe between two. A printing press? Those things are heavy. <laughs> Trees are strong. I guess. I, <laughs> I didn't think about it, but you're right. I just... Whenever they say that Cosmo did something in the tree, I just... uh don't even try to imagine how we did it anymore it's just mm-hmm. oh i guess cosmo did that thing 
He jumped from the tree to the top of a uh, ship sail. That's the word. Yeah. Like, how, how does it work? Who knows? He did it. Because for the plot. The, the thing I'm always imagining, the, the issue I keep having with it is that by the nature of trees, the edge of the branches are much less strong than the base of the branches. Mm -hmm. So if you were going to jump from tree to tree, they would need, the trees would basically need to be touching anyway. Yeah. Otherwise the edges will break if you try to stand on them. Mm -hmm. That's true for basically every tree. Yeah. Those, those European trees though, they're a lot more (laughs) dense. Fine, but you don't need to be leaping. You just need to be walking if they're close enough for you to leap from them. Maybe he would leap, like, from basically the trunk to, ne- to the next basically the trunk. But why? You could just walk at that point, because the, the issue, the main issue is that if you jump, you're putting so much more weight on that branch that it will definitely break. <laughs> so if you just walk carefully, you could achieve the same thing without risking dying. I... For the plot or falling the plot yeah. plot armor <laughs> okay i okay uh chapter 24 was a chapter when i really started hoping that the snails would come back around oh yeah that would have been great like that's the final thing he like he ate snails and then he grabbed onto the balloon and left or whatever like that would have been great but he didn't he did not he did not unfortunately uh, they started using the term soft-headed in chapter 24 which i think means he's getting dementia maybe Something like that, or um, just susceptible to uh, breakdowns. Okay. Without fortitude is what I got from it. Yeah. The phrase, we shoot anyone who sings, was said. (laughs) And I highlighted, my note was, uh, me while recording the podcast. (laughs) You live on the the music and drama floor. How are you going to... They should sing around my schedule, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, one of my sweet mates just finally got around to putting up like an on-air sign when I podcast. Oh, fun. So, and he streams too, so it's it's useful for oh. the whole. Let's consider it. Yeah. Um, there's a French word that was said, uh, a French phrase maybe, and I cannot pronounce it, but it, it was chanted. It was a uh, ka-ira. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely saying that wrong, so sorry. But And I translated it, it was, it will be fine. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing to chant. chant. We gon' be all right. Yeah. That's, that's, they were just singing that song. Except they were saying it like, it seemed like it was angrily. Like they were protesting something. <laughs> it is fine, all right? Yeah. Like that's the opposite of what you want to say in a protest. <laughs> Everything is just fine. <laughs> I'm mostly content with my situation. <laughs> Picket fence with just like a shrug. Yeah. Like, the, the shrug text thing. Yeah. The yeah <laughs> hey steven they can't hear your shoulders move you know what i'm saying though yeah i do but i think it's called the shruggy listeners i do this podcast for me not for you <laughs> um i feel like i was at such a disadvantage because i don't understand mason like freemasonry at all yeah me either i just cosmo's a freemason i guess that happened it, they just kind of stuck it in there well, it justified him fighting the Jesuits or something. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Freemasonry is, I, I think... It's just like an intellectual society, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I think they have a... Part of their charter is getting more... Not necessarily more democracy, but more freedom. Mm-hmm. Less controlling of people. 
Yeah. Um, chapter 27, I had, uh, it just started with the war. Like one of the first lines was talking about during the war, which came out of nowhere as someone mm-hmm. who would, uh, did not like really learn about the 1800s or right 1700s. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Late 1700s. Mm-hmm. If it was the French revolution, but just like, I had no clue. I didn't know where it came from. Um, wait, 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 wait. What? When was this book written? Because I've been saying 1500s. I don't think so. If it's mid-French Revolution and Lafayette's yeah. there, it's the uh, 1800s. Yeah, I know, but hold on. Okay, never mind. I am dumb. That's all that happened there. Okay. I just read it wrong. I read 1957 as 1597. But it looks like the... I think these were the Cosma comics, right? The Baron in the Trees. Let's go. It was 1957. Mm-hmm. I just read it wrong. That's really... Wow. All right. Oh, this is part of a trilogy? Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the it's the second one in a trilogy, apparently. I mean, all right. I feel like we're, like, failing our listeners right now, not knowing that this book we've been reading is actually part of a trilogy that... I mean, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of... Yeah. Backstory. Turalba... Viscounts, none of these names are familiar. Maybe a trilogy in the sense that it they have similar themes or similar styles of writing presenting different themes. Yeah, can I go back? The Our Ancestors trilogy. I don't know. That's weird. But I guess it's a trilogy, so if you want to get some more, if you really enjoyed this, you can check out uh, the Cloven Viscount. Vi- Viscount? This this count. <laughs> I think we could. Zach, I don't know about you, Zach, but I will not be reading the rest of this trilogy. Yeah, uh, we should wait to the end to give our final thoughts. But mm-hmm. um, and then I also, uh, so I'm I'm still on this, Stephen. Okay, he was contributing to the war efforts on his own terms, independently because he was in the trees. Yeah. So it's but, still a matter of independence. I disagree because the French Revolution was about taking power away from the nobles, and he is fighting on the side of the not nobles. Wait, so which I thought before that being in the tree was was that a lower class? The metaphor of being lower ca- class being yeah. in the tree. Mm-hmm. So we went from his high class standing to a lower class and now he's fighting on the side of the lower class in a revolution Mm -hmm. which he is able to do because he's getting a bunch of money from his brother yeah the noble well yeah (laughs) it's an interesting uh relationship for sure and then it took me to like chapter 28 to actually figure out which side was which i'm pretty sure that republicans were the french revolutionaries but i'm uh... yeah yeah maybe um napoleon's around though and he envies cosmo I at this point it was like midnight and I stopped translating things that weren't in English. No, I definitely didn't. Most of chapter twenty-eight, at least a third of chapter twenty-eight, was in French. A lot of it was Russian too. And Russian, yeah, yeah, just languages that were not translated into English because it was written in Italian. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, he said uh, Napoleon said. If I were not Emperor Napoleon, I would have liked to be Citizen Cosmo Rondo. I, it seemed to me like he was just saying that as a soundbite. 
like, what do you mean? Like for someone to write down and post somewhere like, oh man, he came to Ambrosa and... Maybe, but regardless, he said it. He was like, it would have been cool to live in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he actually meant it, though, I suppose. Dang Napoleon, always lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they warn you. Don't don't invade Russia in the winter and don't lie about trees. <laughs> Napoleon was just not not good at any of it. Learn to listen to advice. Gosh. What are you up to over there? I was just making, I was trying to figure out if Ambrosa was a real place. Oh. Uh, I can't tell. Let's look at Wikipedia. See what Wikipedia has to say. Um, Are you just Google mapping Ambrosia, Italy? Yeah, it's, it came up as an inn. Hmm, not a town. Yeah. But like, I don't know my geography all that well, so I wasn't even sure how close it was to france while i was reading this part so that's uh, fun to find long out enough the way i thought about it was long enough that i'm taking an english history class and there's lots of french overlap mm-hmm. and at some point in history henry the eighth time so like uh years are hard but um when the tudor, tudor dynasty starts um spain has taken control of italy and therefore rome and therefore the pope okay so Henry VIII wants a divorce from his wife, or an annulment, rather. Mm-hmm. He wants the marriage to have never existed. So he asks the Pope for one, but the Pope doesn't want to give him one because Spain doesn't want him to get divorced. Okay. For lots of reasons, basically, uh, the wife that he wants to divorce is related to Charles, who, King Charles, who is the leader of Spain at the moment. Ah. So that would be embarrassing for him. But, so France and... France also tries to invade Italy at some point in that, so I know that it is definitely possible for France to invade Italy mm-hmm. on foot, which is very impressive. Yeah. Um, and then I'm... That's about my last note, really. Uh, yeah, actually mine too. Uh, he gets picked up in a balloon at the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that ending. Yeah. It felt unsatisfactory, but maybe that was the point. I I think it... You, I think it made sense as an ending. It, it wasn't... I don't know what other ending it would have been. Um, The one I was secretly hoping for was that Cosmo would come down from the trees and then die with his brother. Not with his brother. He wouldn't... Uh, Biagio wouldn't die, but... Mm-hmm. Um, in Like in the they, arms of... They would be... Yeah, they yeah. would be re rejoined with his family that he declared independence from and got went to the trees because of i uh, the the theme did not seem to be familial reconciliation no but it's the feel-good ending i was hoping for yeah rather than he grabs onto the anchor of a hot air balloon and gets carried out to sea i think eating cooked snails and then grabbing onto the hot air balloon (laughs) that would have been my ideal ending um but just just the hot air balloon Kind of, it's it's an ascension. It's ground to trees to the air. I know, but you also have to, like, you can't deny that at some point, Cosmo is no longer hanging on to the anchor. Yeah, no, he's in the sea. But it's not an ascension because he's just gonna... Uh, I don't know. I know where you're coming from, but the way I look at it is not that Cosmo is rising up and forever gone it's that cosmo 
is going up so high that he must come down. Uh, but there was also that the last moment of Cosimo was him in the air. He is no longer having moments when he's dead. I suppose. And I like to think that he died in the <clears> air, <throat> fell off the hook then. But why not in the trees? I, if he's the Baron in the trees, he's not like the Baron in the sky. His his thing was never about being up and I mean, up it was and up. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it was just being in the trees, not on the ground, but connected to the ground still is what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's why I actually didn't like the mast of a ship all that much. It was just too... Mm -hmm. It was too close to being the ground and not a tree. Yeah. Like what count... He said he wouldn't touch the ground, but in that case he could go into a building or something, but he decided that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. So I think it has to be a tree. Yeah. Okay. You've you've convinced me. It was the wrong ending. He should have died in the tree. (laughs) Okay. While eating snails. Yeah. Or just after eating snails. Okay. Overall thoughts, Zach? He should have choked on a snail. <laughs> Final thought. <laughs> um, I, I gave it I gave it a 7 out of 10. Okay. I would say something similar. I recognize that it is a good liter- literary work. Mm-hmm. However, I think that it had an even bigger problem than Reemdee did with just significant portions where I just lost inst- interest. I don't think I ever lost interest, but there were definitely parts that I couldn't parse because the gap in knowledge was so great. Mm. Like the the politics of semi-feudal Europe yeah. in the 1700s was, it, it just didn't, didn't impact with me, I suppose, the way it might with someone who did. Mm-hmm. Do you think you took anything away from the book? Life lessons or anything like that? Probably, but I I wouldn't be able to tell you what they were. Okay. Did you? Uh, probably not. Just a fun read sometimes. Yeah, I think like uh, it's there were times when the author was like, you know, I need to make something happen here, mm-hmm. like the pirates or Napoleon. Yeah, it was kind of like he wanted to make it more entertaining, so we just <laughs> pirates. Yeah, there there were a lot of that kind of Deus Ex type moments. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, that's where most of my, uh, most of my three or four points off of a perfect ten mm-hmm. come from. Where it's just, oh, by the way, this is happening now. Yeah, and I get, and that's also the style though, which is why I'm kind of conflicted about it because mm-hmm. it's Biagio telling the story of Cosimo, so he's not going to be narrative and fluent about it. It's going to be these are some stories about Cosimo. Yeah. But it also wasn't presented like that. It was presented like, I'm going to tell you the story of Cosimo, mm-hmm. which is not what ended up happening. Do you think you would have liked it more if it was the Martian, but in trees? Where it was Cosimo telling the story? Where it was, uh, I think. Or reading sw- the journals of A it? Swiss Family Robinson kind of does the idea. Um, it's him, like, more about the... Like, I, I was definitely interested in the chapter where he went through, like, how he was bathing and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would have been really interested in that. I mean, at least to some degree. Um, I think The Martian had a really good balance of that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. pirates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not pirates, but, you know. Yes, pirates. General s- yes, pirates, <laughs> but um, not in the same style. Yeah. Uh, just... It advances the story while also, like, exploring how this would even work, mm-hmm. which I, I, don't, I don't know. I think the story advancements were 
infrequent and jarring when they did happen yeah would you though if someone came to you and asked for a book recommendation say maybe this one i would it would definitely depend on the person mm-hmm. uh, i can think of a few a few people who would find some pleasure in reading this book but i think that 90 percent of the people i know would not enjoy this book very much mm-hmm. just because they know nothing of the subject matter yeah all right uh so yeah if you've been reading along with us uh and you think we're totally off base and that was an incredible book 10 out of 10 or you thought it was awful you can't believe that we got all the way through it um send us a note on twitter or in the comments we'd love to hear from you yeah uh and just to reiterate i'm on twitter at the puns guy and i'm at not stephen barry uh, be sure to subscribe in your favorite rss reader or podcast feed pod podcatcher that's the term <laughs> or uh just think real hard about checking every two weeks <laughs> <laughs> and uh please join us next time when we read artemis by andy weir the first five the first four chapters of it at least <laughs> goodbye goodbye